I love the Raiders. And most of all, I love to win. There's been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. Today's episode of State of the Nation is brought to you by Visa, a network working for everyone. I'm Jimmy Durkin, and as always, we've got Vic Tafer, Deshaun Reed, Ted Wynn here getting you set as the 3-1 and Las Vegas Raiders are set to host the 2-2 two and two Chicago Bears. It's the return of the Mac for the first time in the United States. Khalil Mack will be taking on his former Raiders team, a uh, team that traded him away in 2018, uh, a trade that Derek Carr said on Wednesday broke his heart. Um, I think we've all always known that, but he still uh, someday he hopes to, to to get some answers as to why that trade had to happen. But it's going to be the second straight game, I guess, where Derek Carr will have some chirping going on back and forth with an edge rusher on the opposing team. But uh, we'll be a little bit friendlier, I think, than uh, than his chirping with Joey Bosa during and after Monday night's game. But anyways, to, uh, to help us get ready for the Raiders taking on the Bears, we've got Kevin Fishbane here. He's part of our great Bears coverage team here at The Athletic. Uh, Kevin, how you doing? I'm doing well. I was just finally remembering when uh, being in London at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and Khalil Mack uh, refusing to talk to us and leaving the locker room after the game. I think we actually didn't talk to him for several weeks after that one. I think that one, uh, that stung him a little bit, that that, that, that uh, matchup when he had uh, zero sacks. Gruden uh, enjoyed that one a little bit more. I think he had, uh, you know, the whole game plan was basically to not let Khalil Mack uh, do anything to them. And it worked. They got the win. Talk to us about Khalil a little bit. I mean, he's he's got four sacks in the season. I know it seemed like early in the season there was, oh, hey, where's Khalil Mack? What's going on with him? Has had sacks in the last three games. I know he's been dealing with a foot injury the last couple of games. It's been about 50 percent of the snap count. You know, where is Khalil Mack at right now? Yeah, well, it's unfortunate for Mac because, I mean, I guess at least the commenters on The Athletic consider me to be a bit of a Mac apologist because I'm always quick to point out the guy played through four injuries last year, didn't miss a start, still led the team in sacks. It wasn't clear Mac numbers, but it's still pretty good. Um, and then this year he's he's healthy. So you think he's good to go, and then he gets that slow start. But he's starting to come into his own a little bit. He, he made the sack against Cleveland on fourth down. He had another one last week against Detroit on a nice little stunt with the with their dime defensive back. What's helping Cleo Mack out is Robert Quinn. It's like finally playing well. And, you know, he had two sacks all year last year. He's already at four and a half, leads the team. Mack did have to leave last week's game with the undisclosed injury. We find out today it was his ribs. He was listening to the injury report with ribs and foot and didn't practice. I would expect him to play. You know, the guy who spent most of last year barely practicing and always played. But yeah, we, we haven't had that Khalil Mack game yet. That game where he just, you know, takes over. You know, Vic covered it for a few years. He knows what that's like. And I mean, I, I saw a lot of it in 2018 where he gets, you know, two sacks, forced fumble, you know, pass bad down at the line. That has not happened very much since his first year in Chicago. So that one is, we're all, we're all still waiting on that. Well, the Raiders on the Lions having some trouble, so it could happen this weekend. We'll see what happens this weekend. I was going to say, Kevin, uh, the Bears offensive line, they played one of the worst games probably by O-line ever against the Browns, but bounced back pretty strong last week. And Fields had some time back there to make some pretty big plays down the field. 
Which do you think is closer to normal for the offensive line? Is this a unit that you think can be solid or are they still going to have some issues? You know, they actually played okay against the Rams in the opener, which was a bit of a sign that they might not be as bad as we think. The Browns game, in one, in some ways it was an anomaly, you know, when you're pointing up historic numbers like that. On the other hand, it's like, well, like there's a lot of things that went into that game that like might stick around. Jermaine Effetti getting beat like a drum, you know, poor play calling, all those things. We think the play calling is fixed now that Bill Lazor's calling plays, and that helped the offensive line. But what helped the offensive line the most against Detroit were the tight ends. Uh, if you go back and watch a lot of those big plays, there was a tight end chip in a lot of those to help with the Detroit edge rushers. So maybe we continue seeing more of that. You know, Jason Peters has actually looked okay in the run game. The pass game, it's been here and there. The interior line's okay. This group, you're right. It, it is what it is. You know, it's an probably slightly below average group. I don't think they are as bad as that Cleveland game. I don't think they're as good as they looked, you know, at times against Detroit either. I think that this is a group that's going to need help from tight ends and from good play calling and from getting Justin Fields outside the pocket a little bit. I did an article about the rookie quarterbacks today and I watched Justin Fields and it looked like they, you know, they made some adjustments with their game plan. And like you said, they used the tight ends and and pass blocking, and they used a lot more seven-man protections, which really played to Justin Fields' strengths because it allowed him to, you know, have time and hit those deep shot plays. They sacrificed some spacing because they only had two or three guys on routes, but they sacrificed it for protection, and they let Justin Fields make those tight window throws. But I feel like they still haven't really adjusted their offense enough. I think they need to run more option plays. They have some zone reads in, but then, you know, they'll they'll run more option plays, but they'll have David Montgomery in to play quarterback. But I feel like, you know, Justin Fields could run those plays too. I mean, he's one of the most premier athlete at the quarterback position. He can run those plays. How, why are they reluctant to to have more option plays in for Justin Fields? Because that's one of his strengths. Yeah, it's a good question, Ted. And I wonder if we might see a little bit more of that this week because there won't be Dave Montgomery in the game and you just can't count on Damian Williams to give you the type of rushing production that Montgomery gave you you got to rely a little bit on Justin Fields legs you could see a game where Justin Fields has like seven carries for 70 yards right like he is that gifted as a runner I don't know if he's like got like the power back type things that we saw Cam Newton do at times and and Lamar Jackson can do it Uh, I'm certainly he's capable of but you're right it's about him getting him in space Uh, we saw some zone read stuff against Cincinnati and Fields generally handed off almost every time and it looked like that was generally the right call Uh, they were doing a pretty good job trying to kind of contain the edge but I think that there are opportunities there you go back to when this team's offense was at its best and it was 2018 and Mitch Trubisky ran for like 500 yards that year so you know I wonder if there are you know some ways that Matt Nagy sees remembers what Mitch did you know as a runner that season and tries to apply that to Justin Fields and hey you know like you obviously want to protect the guy as much as you can they do have two pretty good backup quarterbacks backup quarterbacks go if God forbid Fields gets hurt but but yeah I I do think that this offense they're not going to win a whole lot of games with him throwing 17 times and him not running the ball. I think this weekend's a perfect example of a game where the Bears are probably going to have to score 28, 30 points, I would imagine, to win. So you'd like to see them open the playbook a little bit more and let him use his legs, which is just such a weapon of his. The Bears made it official today. They made Fields the, the, the starter. Was that, in your mind, a tough call for the coaches to make? And also, what do you think the players' reaction was? 
You know, Vic, I think it was tough for Matt Nagy because he was so set on this plan, right? This Andy Dalton is going to start planning. And I, I think that the whole organ I shouldn't say the whole organization, the decision makers were of the belief that Andy Dalton's going to come in here. We have a good enough defense, good enough run game that we're going to go 10 and 7, make the playoffs. This whole time, Justin Fields will be playing here and there. Gatorade in the practice field. We're going to make the playoffs, go into 2022. He's going to take over Patrick Mahomes style. Like, this was their vision. Obviously, none of us really thought that was going to happen. In fact, that plan ended in the first game because Fields played. Like, Mahomes never played. So, obviously, you could tell that this was different. You know, and we knew all along. Like, Andy Dalton is not Alex Smith, or certainly not 2017 Alex Smith. So, I think that, you know, Dalton, it's interesting it's bad luck for him because he did look pretty good against Cincinnati until the injury. Uh, and then the injuries opened the door. You know, the Cleveland game, you throw that out. You, you see what he did against Detroit. You see what he's doing in practice. We all saw what he did in training camp the preseason. I think Matt Nagy just needed to see it. I thought we were going to have to see Fields do it one more time. I had a feeling that this game was going to be like, okay, if Fields is bad, I have my out. I can go back to Andy Dalton. If he's good, then I'm going to make the decision. But obviously – they saw enough against Detroit and, and the week leading up and, and how Fields rebounded from that Cleveland game to go. So I do think for Nagy it was tough because he really, like, Matt Nagy's not patient and he's really stubborn. And I don't know how ready he is for the ups and downs that come with a rookie quarterback. And I think that he was kind of, like with Andy Dalton, he was like, I know what I'm going to get from this guy. It might not always look great, but he's going to do exactly what this offense you know, requires and it's going to be fine. So I think it just pushed came to shove. He realized like he had no choice. I think he had to move as far as, I mean, the locker room loves Justin Fields. There was a lot of respect for Andy Dalton. A lot of the offensive guys, you know, to a man were telling us how impressed they were by Andy Dalton's experience and his poise and all those things. But they love Justin Fields. Like you guys know, players know, you know, who's got the talent and they all see what Fields did in training camp, the defensive players saw what Fields was doing to them as a scout team quarterback the first two weeks. So I imagine there's some excitement. And the players, like, they feel it in the stadium. Like, they know. Like, they hear the chance for Fields. They see the Fields jerseys everywhere. They understand this guy's the future. So I do think that there is probably a little bit of juice going, you know, through that locker room knowing that, that he's now the guy. I think at one point early in, you know, in the first half, uh, or anyway, against Detroit, I think the play distribution was 80% runs. I think it was 16 runs, four passes. Ends up being 39 runs, 17 passes. Is that something that you think will change over time, that they will you know, start to loosen up those reins and, and understand that 17 pass attempts is probably not enough for a guy that, I mean, watching that game, I mean, when he throws the ball deep, I mean, he just threw some beautiful balls in that game. Sometimes I was wondering if Bill Lazor had a way to not let Matt Nagy dial into his headset because he can imagine <laughs> after run, after run, after run, Nagy's like, no, throw the football. Yeah, I think that they realized that like this is their path to wins is running the ball. Now, as I mentioned earlier, that could change without Dave Montgomery. They were running the offense through him. Damian Williams is a fine and capable number two. I think a lot of teams would love to have someone like Damian Williams as their number two running back. The guy's career high in carries in a game is 19. Like, he's just not going to be a workhorse for you. So they're going to have to open things up a little bit. So I, I do think that, that that's going to shift. But they also saw how comfortable Fields was under center, how much better the offensive line looked 
with a lot of those under center and, and the runs and getting the physicality going with that group up front. So, you know, I, I, I think that they, they've realized their path to victory. I don't know why it took them so long, but they figured it out eventually. And I think they still want to be a team that's going to take some pressure off fields. Because, like, look, if Justin Fields is as good as they think he is, he could be a guy who is throwing 35, 40 times a game, throwing for 300 yards, three touchdowns, and they don't need to run the ball very much, right? Like, that's that's what his ceiling is. I just don't think that they're ready to jump into that now unless they have to, unless they're playing from behind and they have to go there. I think they're happy to run the ball and keep things sim- as simple for them as they can. Kevin, I want to ask you about the defense. I know it's, it's played pretty well overall, but something that jumped out to me was I think they're like 28th in, in yards per pass allowed. You know, what have you seen out of the secondary so far this year and how big could – I saw Tashawn Gibson practice today, I believe. Uh, you know, if he, he's able to come back, how much of a lift could he give them? That would be big for them because, like, they, they have Deion Bush as their number three who's been here for six years. There's a reason – if you're here – if you're on the team for six years and you're never the main starter, there's usually a reason for it, right? So, so just Tashawn Gibson is a guy, like, he's going to know where he needs to be at all times and he can make some plays in the football for them. Gives them a little bit more flexibility, but – you know, the cornerback spot opposite Jalen Johnson is Kendall Vildor. He's a fifth-round pick, second-year guy out of Georgia Southern. So teams are attacking him. The slot corner, Duke Shelley, was a sixth-round pick two years ago. Teams are attacking him. So, like, they're staying the, – you're going to – I imagine the Raiders are going to stay away from Jalen Johnson. You know, the dude has been balling. He's like – you know, he, I, the, every pro football focus stat, he's, you know, top five, it seems like, for corners – but those other guys, you can get after them. Eddie Jackson has not played at a Pro Bowl level in a couple of years, um, and teams are figuring that out as well. You know, I mentioned Cleo Mack earlier, the pass rush. You know, the, They're piling up the sacks the last three weeks, but go back and watch the Rams game. I mean, nobody came close to Matthew Stafford. So there are opportunities, certainly, for teams to attack that secondary. You know, Those numbers are a little inflated because of that Rams game. It was shot play after shot play after shot play. But I do think if you're looking for a weakness at, with the Bears, it is those two young corners, Shelley and Vildor, that that's where a quarterback can certainly attack and, and, and have some success. Who do you think is going to be matched up on uh, Darren Waller? Well, that's a good question. So, you know, Roquan Smith does a fair amount of coverage on tight ends, and he's one of the best linebackers when it comes to that. But, you know, he's not keeping pace with Waller five, ten yards down the field. You know, that's more of an intermediate thing. Uh, getting to Sean Gibson back should help in that realm. Um, you know, he can he can hand, certainly handle covering a tight end. But again, like, you know, that's one where I'm curious to see how the Bears play it. Like, do they go into the saying, we're not going to let Waller beat us? And are they going to bracket him with the safety? Is it going to be Roquan Smith or Alec Ogletree covering him off the line? And then a safety is coming in to help. You know, Duke Shelley is way too small, the slot corner, to cover him um, every play. But certainly, can you know, can he help in that category? But I would expect it to be some mix of the linebacker and the safety. As I said, you have Roquan Smith, who's one of the best in the business at, at, in coverage. But, you know, like, again, he's also one of the best in the business as a blitzing inside linebacker and as a, in, as a run stopper. So he does so many things for you. You have to, you know, be a little bit careful in terms of how you utilize him. So I'm trying to think, you know, the Bears haven't played a great pass catching tight end so far this season. TJ Hawkinson didn't do a ton against them, but the Lions weren't doing anything last week. So, you know, that might not be the best barometer. Cleveland had a lot of tight ends in the lineup. They lost coverage on Austin Hooper who caught a touchdown against them. That's the other thing about the secondary. They've had gaffes. 
They've had like total coverage errors and blown coverages that teams have taken advantage of for deep balls. So um, yeah, I would look for some combo of those inside linebackers and the safeties. All right, Kevin. Hey, man, really good stuff. Uh, looking forward to Sunday's game. We'll uh, we'll see how much banter we get between Derek Carr and Khalil Mack, and and maybe Derek can finally get some of those answers he's looking for as to why Khalil is uh, is in Chicago. But uh, appreciate your time. All right, thanks, guys. Take care. We'll be right back after a quick word from our sponsors. All right. So, uh, I mean, when you guys. Look ahead to this game. Before we get there, I, I mean, we will discuss uh, Derek Carr on Wednesday. Got his chance to uh, to kind of have his rebuttal toward Joey Bosa. And uh, it was kind of what we referenced on the postgame show, is that Bosa's comments, like, they kind of attacked that old stereotype of Derek. And they weren't really relevant to what happened in the game. They didn't really explain what happened in the game. And, and Derek described it pretty well, that uh, he, he thought that maybe Joey had watched the game in reverse. Yeah, because, you know, in the beginning of the game, he was getting a lot of pressure and he couldn't really move the ball or do anything. In the second half, he was still holding on to the ball, still uh, letting plays develop and creating plays with the legs. And a lot of those big plays were because he was willing to do that. So Bosa's comments were, like you said, more towards that old car stereotype, but it definitely didn't materialize in this game. And maybe you want to see them get in, in Carr's head. Who knows how it affects him when they play again. But um, kind of say some after games that sometimes they kind of get carried away. Maybe he was mad that Carr mentioned the whole home crowd thing earlier in the week. Who knows? But I don't think it's a big deal. I think Derek City is pissed about it. But you know, for him, I'm not sure what that means either. I just think it's one of those things that happens and you kind of you kind of move on. But I don't think it's a serious issue where the Raiders are worried about you know Derek Carr being shook in the pocket. Yeah, statistically, it just it, it's not something that's been true this year uh, i mean in the second house and overtime when when pressured i believe he's, he's starting the league right now in, in passing yards per attempt and so he's still been pushing the ball down the field he was doing it against the chargers as well i think he had 14.2 air yards per attempt when he was pressured against them and so he's still slinging it you know it's his completion percentage is down you know big part because he's, he's staying aggressive and, and pushing the ball down the field and not not selling for some of those check downs that we've seen in the past but Again, you know, it probably doesn't mean that much. Maybe we see a, a angry Derek Carr this week. I, I don't know if we, we get that too often, but maybe that's bad news for the Bears. Who knows? If anything, I think it's it's largely driven by like a screen grab from, you know, one particular angle that, that seems to show, oh, there's not a defender near him. If anything, I think it, it, it's probably driven by, you know, that one screen grab that's kind of taken from a screen grab can kind of show anything and it shows, oh, it looks like he's curling up as... You know, there's nobody around it. But I mean, again, I, I mentioned this in the postgame show. You watch the replay and it's like, boom, his read is completely covered up. He curls up immediately and is immediately swallowed up. So it's like a screen grab might show that the next defender is a couple, two, three feet away. But that gap can close quickly. And so uh, that screen grab was not, uh, I don't think, a fair depiction of, of Carr. But anyways, moving on to this game against the Bears. You know, we mentioned Justin Fields named the starting quarterback for the Bears on Wednesday. It's a chance to go up against a rookie quarterback who has had, Ted, I would up and down experiences so far. I mean, I think against the Lions, who it's the Lions, um, you know, in, in all fairness there, um, they didn't ask him to do a ton, 17 pass attempts. It was a lot of just handing the ball off to David Montgomery. But um, I thought when he, you know, when it was put in a position to throw the ball, especially throw the ball deep along the boundaries, I, I thought he looked really good uh, throwing the ball. You know, against week three, it was just a disastrous type of game plan for Justin Fields. It, you know, and Nagy talked about it, and it's been discussed ad nauseum through, throughout the media. It's just, you know, they, they tried to make Justin Fields into this empty 
protection, quick passing game sort of quarterback, and it just blew up in their face, especially against the Browns' pass rush. And you know, if they do that against this Raiders' pass rush, I think you know that you'll get similar results with just a ton of pressure. These tackles are going to need helps from, from tight ends. They're going to need helps from running backs. So I think we'll see more seven-man protection, just like they did against the Lions. But the Raiders' defensive backs are going to have to hold up against those deep shot plays that Justin Fields likes to throw against these uh, Bears wide receivers. And the Raiders are dealing with some injuries right now. But, you know, I, I do think we'll see more option from Justin Fields, and that could be tough for the Raiders to handle. But also, Justin Fields struggled against the Blitz, even against the Lions Blitz. And we know Gus Bradley doesn't Blitz that much. But, you know, I wonder if we'll see a little bit more Blitzing in this game because he, he just struggles to see it and, and react to it. Yeah, you would think, I mean, if the, if the Bears do go to those seven-man protections more often, you know, the, I mean, it'd be pretty hard for the Raiders to only rush four and, and get a lot of pressure there. So, you know, I, I think, you know, Bradley, as we talked about before, you know, he, he'll occasionally turn it up a little bit on, on blitzing, but particularly against a rookie quarterback and, you know, early on in, in his first season, you, you would think this would be a game where you have some confidence. But, you know, one factor in, in maybe not doing that is, you know, the, the injuries that they've had at cornerback Um you know, Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett both missed practice today and had to leave the previous game against the Chargers due to injury. And so it seems like, you know, if they can't go, you, you would think it would be Amik Robertson back out there, you know, Amik Robertson and Casey Hayward and then Nate Hobbs. And so you figured, you know, even though Casey Hayward has played well, you know, Amik Robertson as somebody, you know, with, with the Bears having a, a couple of talented wide receivers that they might challenge down the field. Did we ever get any word on why Hayward wasn't out there for most of that fourth quarter? I heard he was cramping up. And he also, I think, kind of acknowledged that on Twitter. I think he said he needs to to get some more some more fluids but um some more pickle juice pickle juice yeah, i guess it's been a problem <laughs> the last two games so i think it's something that uh, obviously it's been an issue for him but um i'll definitely be back there out there on sunday so but that was what it was last last week they uh, designated Keyshawn nixon uh to return from ir uh signed uh cornerback brandon Faxion, i don't know how to pronounce that um uh off the chargers practice squad so they did bring a couple new bodies in um if they do or are indeed without uh, Arnett and uh, and Mullen. I was Googling where uh, Russell Douglas was. I lost track of him. And while I was Googling and see where he was, I saw he was in the Cardinals practice squad. And I swear, like two minutes later, the Packers made a move and got him off their practice squad. So I wonder if the Raiders were at all thinking about that. It's a guy who, you know, veteran guy who knows the defense, but um, that's no longer an option. But um, I thought it was funny how just. Why not our guy Isaiah Johnson? That boat left the dock, but uh, going back to uh, you know to the quarterback, I think it's helped the Raiders that they've you know had to face both Lamar Jackson and Herbert, some athletic quarterbacks. So I think they have some practice as far as you know, responsibilities and reads and and who's going where. So I think that'll definitely help them uh, with fields this weekend. Yeah, I did pull some numbers uh, for Gus Bradley against rookie quarterbacks. All time in his career, rookie quarterbacks are actually fairly impressive: twelve and twelve. They uh, pass a rating only of 71.6, 26 touchdowns versus 29 INTs. That's in 24 starts. Um, but since 2017, since Bradley started with the Chargers, 12 and 12, those are his numbers as either a defensive coordinator or as a head coach there with the Jags. But since 2017, so the last 11 rookie quarterbacks uh, starting against uh, Bradley are four and seven. Completion percentage of 57.7%. Um, average yards per game of 169.4. Uh, 11 touchdowns. 14 picks, 23 sacks, pass a rating of 68.1. 
And I mean, I think those numbers aren't aren't shocking or anything. I mean, that's that's kind of what rookie quarterbacks do. But we'll see what uh, what Gus Bradley can dial up against uh, Justin Fields. But in terms of, you know, what's I think probably most important after Monday night's game is getting the offense back on track. Right. Especially early in the game. Um, I think falling down 14 nothing again is not sustainable. We all mentioned that after the game on Monday night. Uh, where where do they stand? Where do you think this is? What is this team going to do to kind of show that they can avoid those slow starts? Because I mean, you know, the Bears are I mean, they're an okay team, right? I mean, they're not uh, they're not a, a team that you know they're not a team like the Chargers that you know you, you necessarily fear going in. Uh, they, they can't afford to get off to that kind of slow start that they've seen too often this year. Good mentioned a couple of things on Tuesday. They mentioned the pass protection has to get better. And they mentioned his play calling has to get better. I think he has to be a little more aggressive at the start of games. And as far as the pass pro, I mean, we mentioned the game against uh, Khalil in London. Uh, they had Trent Brown. Plus, they had like two, well, sometimes two other guys on. Like Chip blocked and they had two or three guys on most of the game. So I'm sure that'll be the same focus this week. Like, hey, don't let Khalil Mack beat us. And if Robert Quinn has a big game, then that's fine. But I think they're going to definitely bring extra guys in to help give Carr some more time. And, Ideally, make some more plays on the field in the first quarter and get them on the right track. Yeah, I really think it just it starts with the offensive line. I mean, pass protection, I know Gruden highlighted that, but the run, deep, run blocking has been, been terrible, you know, and, and that's really taken away the balance that, you know, I mean, we all know Gruden's a run-first coach, but he really loves being able to do both, and that really was what keeps opposing defenses on the edge, and he hasn't really been able to do that all year, and so it, it just makes them more predictable overall as a unit, and um, you know, unfortunately for them, like they, they keep going up against these good defensive fronts. They got another one this week with, with Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack and, and some of the other players that the Bears have. But, uh, you know, and, and I think, you know, we, we kind of I think Vic mentioned it after the game um, with, with Derek Carrier being out. Um, you know, we, we saw earlier in the season that something that the Raiders started to do when they had issues was, you know, they go to those two and, and three tight end sets and. While Foster Moreau is still a good blocking tight end, you know, they, they can't necessarily do those three tight end sets, you know, without Carrier there. And then he didn't practice today either. And so, you know, I know we talked about earlier with, with Kevin, the Bears kind of going to that, those seven man protections in order to buy some extra time. And that's something that the Raiders might not have on the table. So, but I mean, in general, you know, even regardless of that, I mean, they just need the guys up front to be better. Um, I know they have a couple backup guards in there, but, but, you know, Alex Leatherwood has gotten off to a rough start. And, you know, we talked about Andre James both blocking in with the snaps and, you know, I know those guys are in their first real years as starters, but um, they got to they got to be better with, than what they are right now. If this offense is going to keep going. Gruden said Tuesday they're not going to panic, but I know Ted's a big Brandon Parker guy. I was going to ask Ted, what if I told you what, what would your thoughts be if they move Leatherwood to guard and put Parker at uh, at right tackle? Would you be in favor of that? If you're going to do that, I would rather just see Leatherwood stay out on the, at right tackle and and continue developing there only way I would move Leatherwood in at guard is if I have a really big upgrade at right tackle. And, you know, I, I don't think Parker is a huge upgrade at right tackle. I, you know, I think he might be a little bit more serviceable because he's a little more experienced. But yeah, unless you're, you know, unless Mitchell Schwartz comes in and he's in shape and he's ready to go and he's in Pro Bowl form, I wouldn't move Leatherwood and just let him continue to develop there. It's just a bad situation because, when the Raiders had Colton Miller, he was a developmental tackle, but they were a rebuilding team at that time. So it was okay that he was developing and not playing his best. But right now the Raiders are, you know, a potential playoff team. They're three and one and Leatherwood is still developing, but he's developing at a really slow pace and it, it could cost this team in the long run if he continues to pl- uh, play the way he, he's playing right now. 
Yeah, that would seem to be a move indicating you're pushing the panic button a little bit, right? If you're moving your first round pick after four games into guard, that seems like a move. I, like like Ted said, if you bring in a, another guy at tackle, maybe you make after a season and, and you just think, okay, this is this is actually long term where he's going to be. And, and sorry, we were dedicated to spending our first pick on a right tackle, but it, instead we got a guard. But yeah, I mean, I, w- I would think that that's not a move they would want to make after four games, but. One of our questions uh, in the mailbag is there's a, a Twitter rumor that uh, he has been moved to guard. I, I, I don't know that uh, there's any credence to that. but uh, They kicked us out before, I mean, as, as usual, they kick us out before team drills now, so there's really no way of uh, seeing it in person. But with the, the offensive lineman drills today, I mean, you can't really, they don't really divide it by guard tackle. So I, I cannot confirm that the, the rumor that was up there. Are you saying that there's some truth to this rumor? No, I have no idea. I'm just, oh, I, was, okay. I know you're a big Parker guy, so I want to give you a chance. I'm not a, I'm not a big Parker guy. guy. Shot at, at right tackle. That's all I was doing. But yeah, I have no, I have no idea if the if the rumor is correct or not. It's just, uh, but yeah, anytime when John says we're not going to panic, I mean, he very well could be panicking for all we know. I mean, he hasn't. He says one thing and often does the other. So I don't think that doesn't mean anything. But. But obviously, they want to win this game, so they feel like even in the short term, if Parker's a better option, then they'll do it. I mean, Gruden's shown he doesn't really care where guys are picked, how much you paid him. Like, Ken Drake got $11 million, and he played. He had one touch last week, so I don't think John Gruden cares about that stuff week to week. Well, how did I become the Parker guy? That's just uh, we're having we're having fun. Today, right? <laughs> yeah, you had one you had one game you loved him. The next yeah, you, game loved, you hated last him. Last you loved him. Like you he played. Great, he loved him for like, like one game, and then he he, he hate, I think he hated him. I apologized to him once. And then he hated him again. (laughs) Yeah. You apologized. You apologized to him. That that was after, like, spewing so much hatred on him. And then he he said, you know what? He wasn't terrible. I I mean, he's a good good dude, man. Contract year. More more power to him. Contract year. Um, Big game for uh, for Nick Bowers, right? Uh, Maybe get the... uh, if if, if if Derek Carrier doesn't go, uh, probably uh, NFL debut for Nick Bowers is the number three tight end. We, do we want? Do we, do we want to? Do we want to break down Nick Bowers' game? What, what does he bring to the table? Oh, we, we, we can keep it pushing, man. He, he was a beast in the preseason. I wasn't. I wasn't watching that closely, but it seems like he's making a lot of plays. So, what do I know? All right, uh, let's go to the mailbag. Uh, we've got some questions here. Um, they are kind of dominated by uh, by the offensive line, and especially the Leatherwood. We got one com- one question. Heard Leatherwood was working out at both guard spots. Any truth to this? And you don't get to see practice. Um, they're not pro- likely to indicate. I mean, who knows? Uh, m- maybe Greg Olson will uh, will divulge some stuff here on on Thursday afternoon. But the tweets came from people who weren't also were not at practice. So I think it's all just a big crapshoot. So I mean, maybe they're right. Who knows? But um, at this point, nothing's happened quite yet. So we'll have to wait and see. All right. Question here from A King: uh, Could the slow game starts be due to the conservative nature of? Derek Carr. Gruden sends in a set of plays for Carr to get them into the right one, given the defense. Basically, the question here is, is is it not Gruden and his conservative nature? Is it Derek Carr's conservative nature that when the plays that are present that are given to him by Gruden, he's picking the conservative ones? What does Derek Carr got to do, man? I mean, like he's like leading the league in passing yards, like his air yards per attempt. They're like top five. He's still conserved. Like Joey Bosa says one thing, <laughs> it just ruins all the work he did through the. I don't. I don't think so. I think it's. I mean, Gruden owned it. You know, I, 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 Gruden isn't against criticizing himself. I think he's come out 
in games tight, and then when they fall in behind, it really loosens up, and that's when the offense comes alive. And then sometimes at the end of the game, it gets tight again. So, um, but that's something that I think we've seen from Gruden kind of historically so far with his his Raiders stint. And Carr will check in the run plays, but I can't imagine he's doing it the first two plays of the game. I'm sure he's not seeing the defense like, oh, we got to run the ball here. I, mean, I think it's more based on what John wanted to get get Jacobs going, uh, which is understandable. I mean, that's uh, he had big plans for him. He still does. So I think that's going to be a key part of their offense going forward. But, um, yeah, I don't think Derek Carr is, is calling the runs in the first, first two plays of the game. He's also not sending three plays in every single play. There's probably some plays where there's like, oh, if you see this look, you can kill to this look or can to this look. But they're not sending in three sets of plays every single time. That's that's pretty difficult to do. So now we're going to flip to the other side of this. Last question is, is blaming the conservative nature of Derek Carr. Bermudez wants to know, do the Raiders extend Carr during the season or wait to see that how the season plays out and go from there. And if extended, how realistic is it reuniting Devontae Adams with Carr for next season, his old Fresno State buddy? He's either conservative or he, he's about to sign an extension. Bermuda's has got big dreams, man. He wants the Carr back in Adams. I think that's not going to happen during the season. I think uh, I mentioned it I think in the story last week that um, the plan has been to wait and see how this year plays out, playoffs or what happens, how he plays. And also, I think you know, the Raiders have a bunch of issues uh, on the financial side. Obviously, Mark Wadain left kind of in a huff. We don't really know what happened there. So that whole area is really kind of, uh, I don't want to say in shambles, but there's a lot of paperwork being thrown around and, and names, uh, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. So I don't see them uh, agreeing to a $150 million contract uh, during the season. You have to pay Darren Waller. You know, he probably wants an extension, you know, based on signing with Clutch or, uh, you know, a new contract based on signing with Clutch. Then, you know, you you got to pay Hunter Renfro soon, too. You got to give Hunter Renfro, what, like $10 million a year? No, you, you don't give him that much. But, I mean, you probably have to pay him a, a nice, sizable contract. I think he probably in demand as well. And, you know, you have two guys on rookie contracts, Ruggs and Brian Edwards, that are playing pretty well. So it's hard to see, you know, them giving a huge contract to Devontae Adams. You're saying Carr's fifth in line behind those guys for a contract? <laughs> no, I was just saying, I, I just don't see Devontae Adams getting a contract. I mean, Khalil Mack got mad that he was third in line. Man, they're going to tell me Brandon Parker and he's a new contract. He's ahead of him. <laughs> I mean, you're the one talking about it, Brandon Parker's contract. You're trying to put him in there at right tackle. Are you Are you getting a cut of Brandon Car- Parker's next deal? I am. I'm going to get a cut. He's going to shock the world. But, yeah, I just don't think um, – I think Derek, uh, obviously, I think he's the first decision they got to make. I think they asked him, we got to decide first. Is he our guy going forward? Are we going to pay him? I would say 150, but I have no idea what these contracts are. I mean, probably more than that these days. It's it's ridiculous. So, you got to, are we going to commit that much money to him and say he's our guy, period, for the next, you know, four years, five years? That's something you got to do, I think, first before you re sign Waller and Hunter Renfro and, uh, and Brandon Parker. Extension for Kenya Drake. He's going to be going into his last year of his two-year deal next year. You know, you you, you got to brutal. Eight million is guaranteed, baby. I mean, he, we all question that move. I don't know. And Raider fans said, "How dare you question that? You guys are idiots. Yeah. Don't question this move." Raider fans were all yeah. over us. What is it? I, I think next year it's it's eight million if he's on the team, and it's like five and a half if he's not. So I mean, it's it's a huge dead dead hit. If you don't keep him, but uh, that's a problem for tomorrow, and uh, and hopefully they uh, we'll see a, a much larger salary cap. But uh, but still, I mean, they need that salary cap boost uh, likely for that car extension, but uh, or and Waller. I mean, 
Uh, we've said it before, getting Waller off the Ravens practice squad and then signing him to an early extension uh, for, for that low of money uh, are the two best moves that this uh, regime has made. And I mean, I, I, I'd i say without question, I mean, both those moves with Waller are probably ranked number one and number two in terms of moves that this regime has made. What's number three? With uh, Nate Hobbs? Max Crosby? I mean, Max Crosby. It's Hunter yeah, Renfro. Wait, no. Was, it, was Hunter Renfro this regime? I forget. Yeah, he definitely was this regime, yeah. Come on, man. So we'll go Waller one, Waller two, Crosby, Renfro. You want Hobbs to finish up the top five best moves of this regime? A little, little too early to call Hobbs. All right, prediction time. Raiders, Bears. Who wants to lead off this week? Who was right last week? I forgot. Who was the one guy that was right last week? Oh, that was me. That's right. That was you. Go ahead. Lead it off. Lead <laughs> off. I'll say the Raiders bounce back. Raiders are going to bounce back. I got 28-20. I think um, I think the Bears still got a lot of question marks. Like uh, my guy Kevin mentioned, secondary is kind of in shambles. I think uh, Raiders have too many options as far as the passing game goes. So I think they'll actually have a good start in the first quarter and will win uh, not easily, but uh, they'll be in control most of the game. Do they get their first first quarter touchdown of the season? Yes, they do. It's Fumble Ruski to Brandon Parker. It's going to be epic. Sorry, I couldn't resist. Go ahead, next. All right, I'll go next. I'll take Raiders 31-24. Um, Max Crosby, two sacks against that uh, that Bears offensive line that, you know, like you said, they played they played a little bit better against uh, the Lions, but I think we see a little bit. They, I, I think they resemble a little bit more of that Browns game. Uh, give Crosby two sacks. And Gawkway does not have a sack yet, right, this season. He's, he's had some pressures. But, uh, two sacks for Crosby, a sack for Gawkway, a first-quarter touchdown, and a 31-24 victory. He's going for the five-team the five in-game parlay, five-team in-game parlay. I'm going to say this is a closer game than people anticipate. I think Raiders take it. I think there are some questionable matchups for the Raiders in this game, including Khalil Mack against Alex Leatherwood. So I'm, I'm going to say they're, they're going to win. Yeah, or Brandon Parker. I'm, I'm going to say 24-17 Raiders. Closer, but I was, you, you was eight the, you points. The, yours was, you, you, you yours was the seven. Same, <laughs> you picked the same score. The, the same. I, I think it is, and you need a late. They're going to need you a late need touchdown lower to scoring, win this. Is what you yeah. meant, lower, you okay. lower scoring, scoring, lower scoring with a late touchdown to win this game. Ooh, a late touchdown. Okay, yeah. there you, go. You, right. you said in control you. for most of the game. Do they have a first quarter touchdown? Yes, I think they'll be able to score the first drive. I think they'll, you know, I think this they're going to make it a huge point. Yeah, I think they're going to make it a huge point. Gruden's going to come out with a nice game script. They're going to score and then struggle a little bit and then get back on, you know, get back to it in the fourth quarter. My prediction record has to be pretty terrible now. But I'll go Raiders 27, Bears 21. I think the uh, I'm not completely sold on the Bears offense after one game against the Lions. I, I still think they'll have some issues up front. I do, I do think the Raiders offensive line is still a question mark, but I think they'll be able to take advantage of that Bears secondary a little bit and put some points up on the board after, after struggling last week, so... Picking the Raiders again. It's unanimous. All right, guys. Well, we'll see if the Raiders can get back to their winning ways. They're three and one, coming home to Vegas, taking on the Bears, and uh, try to get to four and one. So uh, we'll see what happens on Sunday against Khalil Mack. Talk to you later. Adios.